HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, you're listening to Let's Eat In, and this is Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Airway. Today, we have a special Valentine's Valentine's Day-themed episode for you. Um, This week, it seems everyone's talking about that Thursday, um, the 14th. And, um, you know, love it or hate it, there's a lot of Valentine's Day kind of angsty events going on. it's a good time to eat some really good food. That's that's the way I see it. Um, we have a guest and, and also drink really great drinks of some sort. So we, I have a guest today who can speak to that. His name is Shane Welsh from Six Point Craft Ales, um, Six Point Brewery and founder and president, and also my Valentine. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> so what do you look forward to on Valentine's Day? What does that mean? What does that spell? Well, uh, it's changed as I've as I've gotten older. I mean, when I was young, we used to do typical grade school things, uh, like make valentines and do the whole Ralph Wiggum thing. I choo choo choose you. Exactly. <laughs> so, when I was younger, I always perceived it as a hallmark holiday. Yeah. Um, but now You're that like I'm forced into it, right? Yeah, and I was indifferent about it for a while, but in the past uh, several years, I realized that it's probably actually one of the best val- uh, one of the best holidays out there, and I think it's underrated and it's underappreciated because um, it's the one day that is supposed to be completely dedicated to love. I mean, Columbus has his own holiday, and St. Patrick gets a holiday, and there's even Flag Day and Arbor Day. But I think that if there's one virtue that we should definitely celebrate, it's love. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy 
that we do and I think it's you can celebrate it every day but and you should but it's a really nice day to do something special for someone that you love cool yeah and and you know it doesn't have to have all that kind of uh, paraphernalia of teddy bears and chocolates that are so associated with the holiday right you can make it your own. So what's something that you like to, or what, what are you, um, what's your ultimate Valentine's Day meal that I can make this Thursday? <laughs> um, anything that you bake in the shape of a heart. <laughs> Maybe a heart-shaped calzone. Nice. Yeah. Um, an exploding heart of cheese. Yeah. And that, well, when you cut it open, it, tomato sauce flies out. <laughs> I'll give that a try. Yeah, uh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> and then, and then you'll have to break my heart when you open it up and eat it. Oh, I don't know that if I could do gross. that. Sounds gross. I don't know. That's yeah. weird. This is getting weird. Okay, let's on. Let's talk to fun brewery related things. Okay. Um, I know that Six Point has a fantastic seasonal. Uh, or s- actually, not even seasonal, limited run can of beer floating around just uh, released called Bean. Uh, sorry, Three Beans. Yes, and it's a collaboration with uh, some town coffee bean, uh, coffee cold brew that is, and Mass Brothers cacao husks brewed right. along with Romano beans. Yes, so dried beans for mm-hmm. eating usually. Yeah. Um as long as you brought it up. Basically, a barley kernel is very similar to a bean, a, a malted barley kernel. Mm-hmm. Because essentially what it is, is it's a, a seed um, and an embryo, so to speak. And to make it hatch or to make it germinate or to make it sprout or whatever uh, term you want to use, you generally need heat and water, right? Mm-hmm. And the initial step of when you make any beer uh, is, well, first you assemble the grain and you grind it, and then there's a process called mashing. Mm-hmm. So it's no different than making a, a, a pot of uh, oatmeal on the stove or grits or or anything like that. Basically, these seeds, these kernels, beans, have all of the chemicals, organic compounds inside them produced by nature uh, to create life. It's just sort of locked in that little seed. And nowadays, there's such an abundance of barley malt that brewers can make basically whatever type of beer they want, and they can Mm -hmm. order whatever ingredients they want. Well, hundreds of years ago, and in medieval Europe, particularly the northern latitudes, Scandinavia, Baltic areas. Cold uh, areas. Cold areas with very short summers not a lot of uh, growing days. Mm-hmm. So they may only have 90 or 100 uh, growing days or days that have uh, enough light mm-hmm. to, to grow grain. And since that's a insufficient amount, um, they had to use alternative legumes or whatever berries, with any, any sugar or starch-containing compound to make beet brew. Because dry beans store really well, too. Yeah, unlike grain. Grain uh, does store quite well, but there's two things that you have to look out with stored grain. Number one, it, if it gets wet, it'll rot mm-hmm. and it grows mold. 
Number two, rats love it. Mm-hmm. So beans, on the other hand, particularly dried beans, um, they're n- it's not that they're inedible. I mean, I'm not sure if a rat would eat a dried bean, but they're certainly not as easily re- uh, edible as like a bunch of uh, barley malt, which is sweet, ready, crunchy mm-hmm. mix for rats. I'm sure they love it. Well, I've seen, you know, in, bre- in uh, malt houses, you know, mice and rats uh, love the, the grain kernels. So beans are light. They can be transported pretty easily. So these northern latitudes were using beans uh, to make up a part of their mash. Mm-hmm. So I was reading, like I do a, a lot, you know, some, a lot of our beers are, I'll be reading some obscure uh, old brewing text or Celtic mythology nerdy thing. And I'll re- come across something and I'll be like, oh, this sounds really neat. So then we meet up with our brewing team and we're like, hey, how can we do this? And then I, when I was thinking about the beans and the beer, I was like, well, that would be interesting. But what about other beans? And then I started thinking about uh, coffee beans and then cocoa beans or cacao beans. And then I, upon delving into that topic further, you realize that each, not only is there the brewing heritage of brewing with beans, but then the Mass Brothers Chocolate, who are friends of mine and friends at Stumptown, um, each party that participated in this has a certain approach to their craft. Mm-hmm. And the fun part of the collaboration is getting to understand and appreciate uh, how they approach their craft. And stylistically, it may be different mm-hmm. um, than ours. So I think a lot of times when people do co- uh, collaborations... They look for someone who's marching to the to the same beat, mm-hmm. the drum. So they're marching to that drum. And really what you're doing then is you're just layering your creative work. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that's what, what collaboration should always be about. I think I look for someone who might have a totally different approach to their craft, but I respect it. And then instead of it being supplementary, it's complementary. And... I feel you learn something from it, a different perspective, approach, and so forth. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think the ethos and the techniques of Stumptown and Mass Brothers and Six Point are all different. We have yeah. ways in which we're aligned, for sure, um, aesthetically and um, how we approach the craft. But uh, respecting the differences are also cool. Mm-hmm. And... It's it's cool how you can like six point was sort of the anchor of the of the project because it, we produced a beer right so it was really the beer that was incorporating these other elements. Mm-hmm. What I think would be cool is if like let's say Mass Brothers did the same thing, but they incorporated coffee and beer into one of their chocolate bars. Truffle maybe. Sure. Yum. Yeah. So yeah, that's it was a limited. I mean, we just decided to do it, and we banged it out, and all the cases have already shipped, and all the kegs are already shipped, so they're I think they're all gone. The kegs are gone. Um, and that's a... I, I got to mention also, Three Beans, tasty beer, comes in a small 12-ounce can, really potent. It's like over 9% alcohol, right? It's 10%, yeah. Yeah. It, but you wouldn't taste it from from just like, sipping it 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 doesn't taste too boozy 
right. which is very dangerous. I, I was uh, actually sipping some while making, you know, something for dinner, and whoo, yeah, watch out for that one. Well, that was also very typical of those, the beers from that area. At the oh, time. really? Okay. Yeah, because Baltic Porter is the style. Yeah, it's it's pretty old. It goes cool. back centuries. Basically, those folks didn't have. Uh, they had no idea of microbiology. <laughs> they had no idea of pasteurization or anything. And a lot of the commerce that was being done in that area, mm-hmm. like between England and Norway, Sweden, Finland, Prussia, uh, the ships and the cargo that was going back and forth on the Baltic Sea, uh, it could take weeks for, for beers to arrive. And you needed a way to make it preserved, naturally yeah. preserved. So the English figured this out when they started shipping IPA to uh, India. India. Yeah. But the the way they handled it in the Baltic region was they just made really... Really strong. Really strong beers. There's a whole group of... The most common infectious uh, organisms, contaminants, uh, infectious agents that inhabit breweries... Uh, Generally, when you get to like about 3.84% alcohol, the majority of them are can't survive. When you get over five or six, mm-hmm. uh, there's, a no, there's a whole secondary level of organisms that can't survive. Mm. And when you get above seven or eight, virtually no uh, of the most common agents mm-hmm. can actually survive. Some wild yeast mm-hmm. will, can survive in higher, higher alcohol beers. But unless it was brewed primary fermentation with it, you were not going to pick up a very strong flavor of it. All right. Yeah. All right. Very cool. You know, come to think of it, I think Three Beans is a great beer for a Valentine's Day evening because it's intoxicating, like a love, and it's got some chocolate. Yep. All right. So let's have a quick little musical interlude. We'll be right back chatting with Shane Welsh of Six Point. This song is called Rain by the California Honey Drops on the Heritage Radio Network.org.
Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Did you know that pollinators are needed for more than two-thirds of the world's crop species? Most of these pollinators are bees. However, North America's bee population has been steadily declining since the 1990s. Whether you live in the country or the city, you can show your commitment by hosting a hive in your backyard or even on a rooftop. The beekeeping movement is growing, so you're sure to find swarms of folks who can help you find your way. Learn more about the ways you can help be the solution at WholeFoodsMarket.com slash share the buzz. All right, we're back on Let's Eat In. Today's guest, Shane Walsh from Six Point Brewery, just shared a little tidbits about their latest um, limited run, Three Beans Beer. Um, of course, there's always fun beers coming out of that brewery, but um, for that beer, I wanted to mention there's also a pretty cool video that you can check out on their website about the making of it. I really like towards the end of it, though, you kind of explain through a video montage or show without talking um, some of the effects of Hurricane Sandy um, in, in at the brewery because Six Point is located in Red Hook. And uh, you must have gotten just completely swamped with questions and inquiries of how are you doing? Are you okay? What's going on? What exactly happened to the brewery? And I, I think that was a, that was a good way of, um, of showing... Like the cleanup, and then also the restoration, which is a very triumphant ending. I'll just mention, but yeah, how is that sort of your response to all the public? Uh, you know, just concern. A little bit. A little bit of it was tying up uh, the loose ends or tying the knots of the story, so mm-hmm. to speak. But a lot of it has to do with. It was a it was a variable that was put into the project of making three beans. Yeah. yeah, because without boring you about manufacturing operations, like a lot of when you when you run a brewery, even on a craft level, you're dealing with the supply chain, so mm-hmm. to speak. So you have like bottles or cans coming in, and and grain and hops and right. yeast and. Um, and then kegs, empty kegs coming in, and then full kegs going out. And um, as it grows, it's logistically challenging. Uh, it's easy when you only produce one beer. So hmm. if you only had a single beer, it'd be a lot easier. But when you produce a massive portfolio of craft beers, it gets very challenging because you have to like buy very specific ingredients. Hmm. So like. It's kind of like at a restaurant if you have a thousand things on the menu and, and each one of them has its own spice or mm-hmm. whatever. You have to make sure that you always have, have that, that in stock. All right. So the three beans was something that we never made before. And we were counting on one of the critical elements of the beer was Stumptown, which is only a few blocks away from us in Red Hook, was supposed to deliver us the cold brew like at the exact right moment because we needed it to be super fresh. Mm-hmm. So, this was going to be in November, and uh, what happened was 
they got, I mean, and we got too, just massive flooding. The Red mm-hmm. Hook was inundated, as you know, it was a disaster. Um, five or six feet of water flowing down the street, and uh, most businesses completely shut down, Stumptown included. Well, that eliminated their ability to participate in the project from Red Hook. And they couldn't produce cold brew. Their entire cold brew operation was lost. Um, so, And you needed a lot of cold brew. We did. We needed... Yeah, um, to fill this whole batch. I forget the exact amount, but it was, it was over it's, 100 gallons. Right. It's yeah. not something you can just say, okay, let's make it. <laughs> no, you couldn't just Using whip it up. No. no, no, no. Uh, you needed some industrial equipment. Mm-hmm. So we got to go back to their headquarters in Portland and see the cold brew operation there. And what we did creatively was we got these essentially what they are is totes. Mm-hmm. And we purged, we, we cleaned and sanitized the tote and then purged it with uh, carbon dioxide and then purged it with nitrogen, mm-hmm. like an inert gas. The biggest concern here uh, was heat and oxygen, because once you pack the cold brew in the in the container, we had to ship it from Portland back to the East Coast, right? Wow! So it was transcontinental shipment of cold That's brew on ridiculous. the back of a truck, um, and with all that jiggling, like in the truck, <laughs> the concern was that it was going to oxidize the cold brew. Um, so that's why we were extra cautious and like purged the whole vessel with, with uh, inert gas, and that's something that you, cool. like Jan had come up with because he's a brewer. But well, sure enough, nuts. we yeah, well, we shipped it as a concentrate, mm. and that's how cold brew is generally made. Mm-hmm. It's not like a like in the soda industry they use like a syrup, which is highly concentrated. Mm. But cold brew is usually concentrated like two to one. And so what that means is you have like uh, like four ounce cup of cold brew. You mix it with four ounces of water and you got an eight ounce cup of, co- of cold brewed coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the cool things about cold brew is that maybe you don't want it diluted. You just want it straight, straight right, concentrate. Right. You can have it that way too. I thought that was very, in, uh, very creative and it sounds like it was an ingenious kind of approach to getting it when you needed that cold brew. Um, it sounds like you were had really signed up for this project as partners, collaborators with Stumptown, and that was the basis for it. Because, you know, th- otherwise, there's some other cold brew places in Brooklyn that didn't get affected. You know, there's there's a few I could mention. But that would have been a strange sort of breakup of sorts in, in the whole essence of this beer, which was, this is a collaboration, and these are the makers, these are the players. Right. Yeah. That would have been, I don't know. That that would have kind of broken the spirit, I think. Yeah. So, well done. Congrats. Thanks. And one part I, I want to mention is, like, I, I love that part in the video. It kind of shows you guys going around the streets and, like, handing beers to people in Red Hook. Right. Is that what happened? Yeah, it's exactly what happened. I mean, the day after, uh, I think it was two days after the hurricane. Mm-hmm. So after the water subsided out of the, or receded from Red Hook, mm-hmm. um, people started to come back in. A lot of people like left the, t- the neighborhood. The town, yeah. 
And then they're coming back in, and uh, there was a big sort of convention, and it was a FEMA agent was there. Mm-hmm. And there were hundreds of people in there, and they were a lot of them had been completely devastated. Yeah, like pumping out their basements and everything. Yeah. And there was this big air of despair because, you know, a lot of small businesses, they live, you know, hand to mouth, so to speak. They, one disaster like that, and you are toast. Um, And the way insurance works is very few... Uh, insurance providers actually cover for flood. Oh. Yeah, if you look at the fine print in, in a lot of policies, they cover for damage to the building, mm-hmm. right? But they don't cover for damage to the contents of the building. Oops. So if you have equipment and inventories and stuff, they're they're just lost. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was a, it was very difficult. So people are miserable, hopeless, and feeling pretty darn desperate at this time right so you give them beer (laughs) yeah i mean it was a we we did other things too yeah no it's an ongoing saga yeah we had people scrubbing there was a there was this thing called the red hook initiative Mm -hmm. and doing anything from like scrubbing someone's Mm -hmm. floor tile with a toothbrush down at the Red Hook Piers or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, it was just sort of a barn raising type thing. Yeah, a lot right. of food drives, blanket drives. Right. And, you know, hospitality, it's sort of a things like free beer. I mean, it all fits into the game. You got a lot of people cold, miserable. Right. It's horrible. Let's, let's add some comfort, some measure. Right. So. I will say this, too. The neighborhood in New York City, just in general, is very resilient. I mean, we had, in the past 12 years, massive terrorist attack, huge financial meltdown, um, and a massive hurricane. One minor hurricane and one big one hit this year, all in a period of 12 years. And when you wake up every day and you go outside... And if you're in Manhattan or Brooklyn and you look around, it's as if none of that ever happened. The city bounces back really quickly and really, uh, it's really resilient, as I said. That being said, I will say this. The city, in my opinion, just by looking around, especially in Red Hook, you see the scar tissue now. I don't think that New York can keep getting pummeled by these disasters without having some internal bleeding. Hmm. You know, and I, and I think it needs to get a little smarter, and it needs to get it needs to get a little more compassionate and thoughtful about its future, because it's when you're like the the biggest city in the U.S. and the U.S. is the biggest uh, superpower in the world, it gets uh, a swagger to it, mm-hmm. and it gets so self assured in its in its might, but it's just as vulnerable as any other city, and mm-hmm. it could get wiped out very easily with a natural disaster so i think uh it was humbling you know it's one thing to get attacked by like some crazy terrorist but Mm -hmm. like when you get walloped by uh a hurricane Mm -hmm. like that and here's a funny thing i was watching that as it came in on the weather reports and 
it by the time it made landfall, it wasn't even a hurricane. It was just a tropical yeah, storm. Yeah, that's true. If we would have gotten walloped with like a a Category Three or Category Four hurricane, it could have been like un the devastation could have been unbelievable. So people have to be aware that that could happen at any time. You know. Yeah. Now isn't that a good Valentine's? Yeah, thing? you know. No. And no, we take feel, care of ourselves. Well, here's the thing. On Valentine's Day, I just, you know, ignore all that mm-hmm. and just spend good time with my yeah. special person. Oh, looking forward to that. Yep. It's a fun day. All right. I guess that's about all the time we have. But thank oh. you so much for sharing your thoughts and um, ex- excellent um, stuff with the three beans. Definitely look out for that. And there's more fun coming out from Six Point. Check out sixpoint.com for more updates. Thanks very much. Welcome. We'll see you next week on Let's See Den. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.